All right, welcome to the Ducks on the Pond podcast. It'll be going on every Sunday. Uh, it will be the four of us. We have Justin, Charlie, and Phil. We're going to be talking about baseball topics. Uh, it'll range every week from a variety of different topics, including free agencies, signings, whatever's going on for that current week. Myself, my name is Rick. I am the creator of Rick Talks Baseball on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, I've been a fan of baseball my entire life, um, and lately we've been trying to do this podcast to get some great baseball conversations started. Um, next up, we have uh, Justin. Justin, tell me a little bit about yourself. So as Rick put it, my name is Justin. Uh, I've been playing baseball since I was probably three years old, going up, just growing up, and then the umpired until I was like 24. So um, I just like talking baseball, and I'm excited to do this. Um, yeah, just ready to go. Justin, I can't tell from your background. Who's your favorite team? Uh, the Yankees. No, uh, oh. Mets for sure. <laughs> we gonna All buy right. this championship real quick. All right, now it's Charlie. <laughs> All right, Charlie, tell me a little bit about. Hi, I'm Charlie. I like Justin and Rick. I just grown up around baseball my whole life. Um, played through high school, and you know, umpired through high school, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, my favorite team, unfortunately, is the Astros. So, um, but yeah, excited to be on the podcast. I uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how a lot of people, once we go live into the chat, since this is a pre-recorded session, um, how people are going to kind of. I feel like Charlie's going to get a lot of the attention. Just yeah. it's so easy right now to hate that. that I feel like he's going to get a lot of guff, but he's like the perfect fit and the personality to take that and run with it. Like he's, <laughs> right. he's going to come back with facts because I've just spoken with him about this before. So he's going to lay out the facts, which is going to be very interesting. Uh, first topic, we're going to go with Justin's. We're going to go with Justin's as the first topic. We came just for everyone, just to get informative about how the podcast is going to work. Um, each one of us for the initial podcast is chosen to now where we are without Phil in this portion of the podcast so um, we're gonna we're gonna deviate from Phil's or hold on until a later session. Uh, but Justin has chosen two, Charlie has chosen two, and I have chosen two to go over. Uh, the first one we're gonna go with Justin's topic, and it's Degrom leaving and what it did to free agency. Um, either you guys want to take this one first, and and uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, I'll just I'll just dive right in since uh, this is a big deal for the Mets with him heading out. Um, but let's start with what that contract uh, actually was. You know, he left the Mets for five years at $185 million uh, with an option of a sixth year, and that could get him an extra $37 million. Um, <clears throat> and there is a, a clause in that contract, whereas he, if he goes down with Tommy John and has to have that surgery, he doesn't get paid for that time off. You know, um, so with that, with, with that kind of contract, you know, that really sets up the entire major leagues there. You know, I know they've always had clauses before, but now I think the injury clauses are going to be more upfront with these higher end players. I mean, we're seeing that with Carrera right now, you know, where we're just it's just not getting done because we're not they're not owners aren't going to pay millions of dollars for someone just to go down in two years and then they'd be done for the rest of their career. There's no way. Um, so that's where I'm at with that whole DeGrom situation. Cause no one's going to pay for damaged goods. Um, the DeGrom situation, I think that contract's ridiculous. Nothing over three years for DeGrom should have ever happened. Um, but that's my opinion on that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the information jiving in there. Yeah. I, I just think a lot with these injuries um, these are, these contracts are bordering on ridiculous. And this is why I'm glad you brought this up. I think they're overextending players with known histories of injury. I mean, you look at DeGrom right now, and I mean, he has not pitched more than 15 games in the last three years. Um, when he's on, he's on. We all know that. I mean, he he's ridiculous, and nobody has stuff like DeGrom. And what I think you're seeing with Texas is a high risk, high reward. They're just they're wanting to take that chance because they know if it works out and he can pitch more than 15 games, he can come close to making Texas a contender, especially with the other signings, which we can get to, you know, uh, later on in the podcast. But if you get that kind of year of it out of DeGrom, you don't have to rely on Evaldi, you know, Perez, Gray. Um, and Heaney, any of those guys, you you don't need as much out of them if he can start a good portion of games. And the other problem you're going to have with Texas is how many innings is he going to go? Is he on a pitch limit? Neither of those things have been stated yet. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see because if he can have even a half decent season, Texas could be one of those dark horses to make it to the playoffs. What do you think, Charlie? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Texas made a couple big moves last year that didn't didn't really work out or really didn't really didn't do anything for them. They both Semyon and Seeger and still finished like third or fourth in division. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because they I don't know they seem to be trying to like uh, like a a budgets met team trying to buy their roster um, instead of trying to you know bring up guys and and you know build a team. They're just trying to buy buy some good players who, in my opinion, a couple of them are already past their prime. I mean, like you're saying with Degrom, I mean he's he's gonna by the end of his contract he's gonna be into his late thirties. Um, you know, Seager, Seager and Semyon, in my opinion, are both, you know, past maybe Semyon, I think still has a couple good years left, but I think, you know, I think, uh, Seager is past his prime. Yeah. I, I just don't see and take your bias out, Charlie, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, do you think they have a shot? I mean, if even contending against teams that, I mean, like the Astros right now, I see them finishing third right now. They got they got third locked up. <laughs> I just yeah, think the it'll Mariners. Be, it'll be interesting to see the. My only thing, like the Mariners, haven't made any moves this offseason, Really, I mean they they've lost a couple key pieces and haven't really picked anybody up. So it'll be interesting to see where the Mariners end up falling in that in that list. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be interesting also to see Julio grow because I mean in just yeah. first year he's going to get nothing but better. Yeah, and I had seen some comparisons to him um, and Griffey during the week during a couple TikTok lives. They were stating, "Is he the next Ken Griffey?" No, too early. Way too early. It's way too early. He's only been in the league one year. There's no way. Yeah. Another thing I think that'll factor big into this division uh, specifically is with the the new changes of every team playing every team. They they're taking those games out of other divisional games. And what's happened is the Astros have just swept their division every year we play. Um, you know, so the, when the Rangers have to play us 20 times a year and they're losing, you know, 14, 15 of those games versus now they only play us, you know, maybe 10 times, you know, those games are going to other teams. And, we'll, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see, like, where, where you know, the wins and losses yeah. are going to fall, you know, on those with those other teams. So here's my question then, Charlie, to that. Who holds the bigger advantage, the American League or National League? Because then you got to compare who has worse off teams record wise. Ooh, that's I mean, a good look one. at the East. The AL East is stacked. I mean, you could have possibly every team finishing over 500 if the Orioles continue to grow. Then the Central is, uh, I mean, you're going to have some 500 teams. White, so was, Cleveland. I was say, even, in, even in the NL East, I mean, you got three teams that are probably going to make the postseason immediately, you know, like. That's just how it is. Like this is going to be this is going to be crazy year for both. I don't think there's an advantage personally, but yeah, I know you asked Charlie, but no, yeah. it's for anybody. I just I knew that was based off of his uh, his comments. Well, the NL West is. I mean, the NL West is almost just as tough. You mean you got yeah. the Padres and the Dodgers who are both going to be you know looking at a hundred wins each. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't know if a, a a league has a specific advantage or not. Um, I, I will say that it does seem like the National League has some of the more bottom teams. Um, like you look at like the Nationals, the Cubs, the Pirates, like those kind of teams. You don't really see as much of that in the uh, American League. I mean, you got a couple in the AL Central, like we're saying, but I mean, the AL AL West is or AL East has got, like you said, five teams that are all potentially playoff caliber teams, depending on if they make moves or what happens during the season. And then the AL West I mean, even even like our the worst team in the. I mean, besides maybe the Athletics. I mean, even the Angels with with the talent they have potentially could put up you know eighty wins. <laughs> Poor Justin. <There> you <laughs> I like that. Like, like, what about my team? <laughs> we got the Braves. We got Philly, who got even better. I mean, the Braves are locking up all their younger talent. They're going to be good for years mm-hmm. to come. You got the Mets, who are buying every seagull who lands on their field. Um, Four years, 80, 85 mil. In, in the Nationals, I mean, they haven't done much, but I mean, Nationals can, and Marlins both don't Marlins. look very good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even Ch- Chisholm's come out recently. Says uh, yeah, he, he said, those. "Give me that. Give me that money from the from the Braves, please." <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. Uh, this is Charlie's topic on here, and we're going to go with pick an MLB team and compare it to an NFL team. 
Charlie, do you want to start with this one? Uh, yeah, I'll go with. So the one I w- I picked, in my opinion, is uh, the Astros and the Patriots are are fairly compatible. Um, maybe not, maybe not the more recent Patriots, but the Patriots of the last you know ten fifteen years. Um, you know, just a dynasty team that everybody hates. Um, you know, they both kind of had their scandals with the Gate and then the you know the sign stealing with the Astros. Um, you know, out, you know, you can kind of compare Altuve and Brady as, you know, two of the most hated athletes in their sports for, you know, a long time. But at the same time, those teams continue to be dominant and make it back to the postseason, make it back to their championship games year after year. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Justin? Um, yeah, I'll compare the Cowboys to uh, the Yankees, you know. Um, you get great signings. You know, but I have to break out the VHS player to see when the last time you did something important was, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. Um, you overpay for someone uh, that, you know, you have one good year and they're never the same. For instance, I've got uh, Zeke and Chapman, you know, like they're the, basically the same sign. You give them a bunch of money downgrade as soon as they get that money. Um, and then. Uh, you literally have players who can carry you the entire season to a playoff run, and then you boo them. Um, my instance is Judge going 0 for 6, and then Tony Romo's entire career. He was the best one on that team for 15 years, it felt like. You know, and then th- just the way that those Yankee, those Yankee and Cowboys fans are, man, they're just brutal. They're brutal for no reason. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my comparison. <laughs> Well, the I mean, funny you, thing is, a lot of people are fans of both of those teams, too. Yep. Which makes it all that more more interesting. Yeah. This one was a tough one because I did I wanted to deviate from the some of the obvious choices. Um I, I started to think a lot of which teams so my first instinct was to go for spending. Who either doesn't spend but expects to win. But it was really hard as I dug down and tried to do research in it because there's a salary cap in the NFL. So you can't really use that. I mean, some teams I'm assuming don't hit that cap. So I tried to think of the next best thing, like who, who can get to the playoffs, but can never win. So I decided to go, and this is a long shot, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo bills and the Cleveland guardians. Reason being both had great teams. And when I'm comparing them, I'm comparing them in the nineties. So you're going to have to go in the way back machine, get your flux capacitor, get in that car (laughs) 88 miles an hour. And uh, so to go to the 90s, you had two great, one great NFL team, the Bills, who could never win the big game. And you have another team who was stacked in the Cleveland Indians at that time, now the Guardians, who had crazy stars on that team, maybe lacked a little bit of pitching, but just could not take that stud team all the way to the World Series. That team should have won multiple World Series, in my opinion. You had Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, Elmar Vizquel, Sandy Alomar Jr. Their pitching staff was pretty good. They had Charles Negi. They had, um, I'm trying to think of who else on there, um, Oral Hirschheiser, Ken Hill, Alan Embry. They didn't have a horrible pitching staff, and their bullpen was really good, too. Um, I just felt like with the team that they had, they should have done a lot more than just one World Series at that time. I guess kind of thinking about it, too, the I could have compared them to Atlanta, but them winning in 95 kind of shut the door on that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good one. I like Because both, both teams made the championships a couple times and then lost in pretty brutal fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love the story that uh, – during game six, they were rolling out the champagne in the locker room for Cleveland, and then, and then they blew it, and they had to roll the champagne back out and get ready for game seven. I like it. Man, those Guardians teams were fun to watch. And they, Like I said, with Jim Tomei, uh, I still like – like I, I could watch Tomei all day. I love his highlights. Just a truly good person to deserve everything he got. I mean, just think of like, I mean, the Cleveland Guardians, like when Lindor was on that team, when they made the World Series and lost to the Cubs, that team should have beat the crap out of the Cubs, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, oh, man, but like that team was so good. They definitely should have won that World Series. But I think that rain delay screwed them all up. So something that doesn't get mentioned enough is Dave Dombrowski. I don't know if you guys have looked into this, but that guy has continually took teams and made them perennial winners almost wherever he goes and it's not talked about enough you know he goes to boston he when he gets them there it's also theo but he also gets them to the playoffs almost all the time 
you know, they start winning World Series. He moves on. Where is he now? He's in Philly. What's Philly doing now? I mean, (laughs) everywhere that guy goes, he creates a winning culture. And regardless if they win a World Series, they're always in contention. So, like I said, I think that is one guy who isn't talked about enough when people are talking, you know, ownerships, GM, that type of stuff. So, um, something I also was thinking about on there. So, um, let's see. Uh, we're going to go with my topic, which I am very passionate about. And I'll start off on it and then you guys can kind of go. But, uh, and this might be a touchy one for Justin, but <laughs> does spending the most money, if you're building a baseball team, is spending the most money necessarily going to buy you a championship? When is the last time we've seen a baseball team spend a ridiculous amount of money and end up winning the World Series? Five out of the 12 teams that made the playoffs last year were in the bottom half of payroll. Yes, a lot of those teams got eliminated, but the Houston Astros, prove that you don't have to have the most expensive payroll right now. If I ask both of you guys, Charlie, you're going to get this one. Cause I believe we've already had conversation, but just can you, can you tell me who's the highest paid player on the Astros and how much he makes? No, it's, it's Altuve at 27 million. And after that, it goes down to about 16 million. So they really sign these either friendly contracts or they sign up guys pretty much in the same that the Braves do where they get them for a bunch of years at the beginning. And they've consistently created this, this great farm system um, on there where it just they, you've, you've seen kind of the spoils of that where they're in the playoffs every year. Um, it just, so sorry to throw your Mets underneath the bus, the buzz again, Justin, but oh no, I got you. I got, I got a rebuttal for you. You're all right. Okay. 1986 is the last time the Mets won the world series. So in, and you're looking at the Yankees 2009 before that you're looking at 2000, the Dodgers went in in a 60 season, which is a topic for another day. I did a TikTok. People are throwing Mickey Mouse championship around a lot of that stuff. Still a World Series. Still, we'll get to that. Um, but that, that's the only time that they won. Otherwise, you're looking at 1988. Padres haven't won. And they spend ridiculous amounts of money. These teams spending a lot of money, it's not it. You have to have chemistry. You have to have the right guys. To my point, you have to have a great farm system. You're going to go nowhere without it. Because once it's depleted, as you're seeing with the White Sox, once you deplete that farm system and there's nothing to back it up, you're really not in a good place because in order to keep winning, it's not just about the free agency. You have to keep getting a return on your investment. You need to keep getting these younger talents funneling through the system. And that's where scouting comes in. Either one of you can take it from there. You want to go first or me? I'll go first. I mean, I totally agree with you for the extra. Another big thing that they've done is let their players walk. Um, you know, some of the biggest, biggest names from the Astros in the last five years, we've let them walk. And as a, you know, as an Astros fan, a lot of them were, you know, unpopular at the time, you know, letting George Springer walk, letting Carlos Correa walk this year, letting Verlander walk all at the time kind of seemed like maybe a little bit questionable decisions. Like, are we really going to let these guys go? But I mean, for the most part, they, I mean, obviously we just won another championship. So they've worked out decision wise and, and our farm system, you know, we were able to turn, turn out players like Jeremy Pena, um, center field. We haven't quite figured out, but I mean, just look at the rotation we're able to put out every year with just, you know, feels like every year the Astros have a, a, a new stud pitcher you have never heard of before this year, you know, whether it's Valdez or Christian Javier. Um, you know, those kind of guys, Lance McCullers Jr. from a couple of years, you know, a couple of years ago when he came out and then, you know, we've got a couple of guys like Hunter Brown, who's basically, you know, Justin Verlander Jr. Um, you know, it just seems like we're able to just churn out new talent and, you know, replace those guys at, you know, fraction of the cost. So before we get to Justin, um, out of the team, I mean, do you have a, a team that you have in mind besides your Astros if they don't win? Do you have somebody else in mind that you would believe is going to win the championship if the Astros don't? And I want to see how that correlates to my discussion. Um, if it was, I think it'd probably be a National League team. Um, I think it – I'm not sure who I, who I think it would be. I, I think maybe – I think the Phillies have a decent chance of going back to it and, and winning, especially with picking up Trey Turner. Um, but I, I think the Cardinals are maybe a dark horse to to come. You know, I feel like last year they 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 kind of fell flat, but they had a really good regular season, and 
I mean, really, there's nobody else in that division that's going to, except maybe the Brewers, that's going to push them. Um, uh-huh. So you know they're they're almost a lock for for a playoff spot. So, but I, yeah, I think I think one of those two teams would be my favorite to win next year. Awesome, yeah. Justin, you. <clears throat> All right, so I'll just go into what I had written down, and then I'll go for the the rebuttals there. Um, so yeah, uh, the Mets have spent almost a billion dollars this off season. They're at eight hundred and four, and that's including the career deal. So yeah, there's been some money spent. <laughs> that's that's no argument there. Um, but the reason why it's so important for teams to spend money um, is to shut up your horrible fan base. That's a great one. Um, the other one is <laughs> the other one is um, you want players to be able to want to come play with you. You have to get those bigger names because I'm sorry if we had a player like Bryce Harper scouting for us, going to all these other people are going to sign with us. You know, and I think that's a big thing. Lindor was able to get the Baez trade done, basically. We need that. And the only way we're going to get that is if we get those high dollar players in here playing. And they were like, oh, these guys really have a championship. They want to win. They're hot. They're signing these high dollar guys. I want to go play with them. All right. So that's that's kind of because like right now, who wants to go play in Miami? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody wants like to play for the Marlins. You know, like because they're not spending anything. Um, now my rebuttal for your thing, Rick, about the farm system, do you know how many, um, Mets play those Mets players are that are in the farm system in the top 50 prospects? Go ahead. Seven, seven. We have, we have the number one prospect. We've got the number three prospect. And then we go down from there. Um, so who's your number our one farm person? system is, our farm system is very good. It's just, it's gotta, it, they're not ready yet. That's the problem. And that's where all these come in. Now with these, with these big signings, let's say we sign Carrera, right? Brett Beatty is our next up and comer. He played a couple of games for us last year. He didn't hit that great, but he's going to, he's going to be a stud. Like he's just got to have that time. Now that if we lock Correa up for 12 years, what are we going to do with him? We're going to trade him and get more prospects, you know? So that's what I think's going to happen is that's the process right now. Um, but the big deal is uncle Steve, as I call him, um, he, promised the Mets fans a championship within five years. And he said, I will do, I will spend all the money that I can to get that for us. Um, so that's kind of why I think we're seeing the big dollar drops. I don't think we'll see that again after this year. I just don't think we will. I just, I think they wanted to get really big players locked up. The only ones I can see getting big contracts, Alonzo is going to get a big contract from us. Um, I mean, just looking at Nemo's deal, I, I didn't think Nemo deserved that big of a contract, but <laughs> it is what it is. So I, I expect Pete's to be the next big, big price. Then after that, I don't see another big signing for a long time for the Mets. So uh, I think it's just the buildup right now. He's only had the team two years. So um, I think that's where that's where it's headed right now. Yeah, I just think the best way to get the fans off your back is win championships. I mean, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, yep. you, if you look at the Astros free agent signings this year, um, the, really the only two players we've signed are Jose Abreu, who signed a very team-friendly deal despite not even being on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Michael Brantley, who, again, very team-friendly deal, um, willing to come back because he knows he has a shot at another ring. Right. You know, I, I just think that, like, you know, all, <laughs> you don't need to buy your team if you're, you know, if you're able to just scout out a good team, but. That's, yeah, I think that's the issue is uh, our team was so bad for so long. The coaching staff was so bad for so long. The scouts weren't that great. I think I think that's what I think that's what we're in. It's kind of a rebuild, but they're they're paying for the rebuild, basically. Right. Well, in the point I would make to you is, yes, they may have a good farm system. But how many of those guys played last year or were impactful towards that that run? Uh, Brett Beatty and. Um, the catcher, I can't remember, Francisco Alvarez, they came up and played. Okay. So that would be my point. And how many of these big contracts are stopping a lot of those um, guys in, that, in the Mets pipeline and not yep. giving them the opportunity to come up and play? To Charlie's point, like a Pena, they lose <laughs> Correa, but then they replace him with Pena. And then Pena is a, like, he didn't have that great of a season, but he definitely contributed when it mattered the most. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be, that would be on there. And can we talk about how crazy it is? That Brantley, I think, signed one year twelve million, and Bellinger yep. got five point five million more than he did. And I really believe, other than the injury impact, 
I mean, that just boggles my mind. Yeah, I mean, Brantley's a career, you know, 315 hitter, and <laughs> Bellinger hasn't hit over 200 in, like, three years. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll have yeah, a lot back in Wrigley. He'll be aided by that wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a little bit of it blows out. <laughs> I see still 20 home runs next year for Bellinger. 20 home runs, probably a 250 hitter. Poor guy. It's not yeah. all about average. It's paper metrics. Now, don't you forget that. Oh, man, it's the thought of what he may hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a discussion for another day. But um, oh, yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to go to Justin's next topic, which I believe is the Verlander stuff. Which is That's a correct. topic. So, um, Justin's topic is Verlander. He uh, looks to be the closest person that's going to hit 300. Um, Justin wants to know will he hit that 300? I believe he's at 244 right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. He wanted to know also, besides Verlander, will anyone else hit that? When is the next time we're going to see one? Thoughts on that? Uh, Justin, go ahead and start it off. I say yes, he does do it in a Mets uniform. <laughs> That's the more important thing. I think it takes him three to four years to get if he can stay healthy and he doesn't need any more surgery. Um, I think Verlander could easily pitch well into his mid forties. If he's not there now, I think he's what 40, is he 41? Somewhere around there. I think he's the same age as close to max. So I think those two will still be in our, still be in our rotation for a couple more years. So I think Verlander will definitely get that, especially with the boost of our offense. If, if our bats don't go quiet as normal, um, you know, I think he'll easily get that. Um, in my search, I found that Kershaw and Granky were the only possibilities, but the only problem is, is they're injured and Granky's got, you, he's like 45 already now. <laughs> like he's, he's just a monster. Um, but you know, there's, there's 60 less wins from Verlander, you know? So I don't, I just don't think we're going to see anyone for a very, a very long time hit that. Um, because I also saw the big one that shocked me was no pitcher under the age of 30 has 75 wins. Yeah. So that's, that just tells you right there. There's no way, there's no way anyone's going to come close. So, and so I made it just kind of an educated guess here um, only because he's been, he's only pitched 24 games <laughs> in his career so far. Um, I'm going to go with Spencer Strider is probably going to be the <laughs> next one to hit that. Um, he's, you know, he's pitched, uh, he, oh, sorry, he's 24. He's only pitched 33 games. Sorry about that. So, yeah, he's 24. He's pitched 33 games. Um, he's 12 and five over that span, and uh, he's got a 2.6 career ERA. Um, so, I'm just going to choose him because he's young. He's good. We'll see what happens with his career. <laughs> so, we'll have to go into the archives later on when, you know, his career 10 years from now. We're going to have to look back. Right. That inaugural podcast, who did we say? Were we right? What did he drop? He got fifteen hundred wins. Damn, Justin knows what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as before I get to Charlie, one of the interesting things I saw when I did do that research also is uh, if you had to guess. Um, now I forgot. The, the, so I was going to ask who is older. Um, it was Madison Bumgardner, or um, it was, I forget. But Madison Bumgardner is only thirty-two years old. So He's I'll the same age as while Charlie talked, but there was another player where if I compared him to him, you would have thought that Bumgarner was the older one. But we forget Bumgarner is only thirty-two years old. Yeah, I think it's just because he went to the World Series like so many times when when he was so young that we just think he's been around for twenty years. But you know, realistically, he's been in the league for twelve or whatever. Yeah, I think it's Degrom because everyone thinks Degrom's younger than what he is, but he didn't get to the major leagues till he was like twenty. 26 and like I mean he came up in 2014 and that's how long he's been in here he hasn't been in here 10 years and he's already 32 31 years old as well as Bumgarner and it was, shocking it was Chris Sale Chris Sale is 33 Chris Sale, wow. 32 so Chris wow. Sale is one year older than Bumgarner and we, oh. like, if I told you that I mean he came up you know it's not a guy I would personally think of just right up top of my head be like Yes. I mean, we all think of like Bumgardner is like this, this guy who's been in the league for a long time and to Charlie's points because of all that success early on. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now that I did that on to Charlie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Verlander has stated that he wants to pitch till he's 45 and it's interesting. I mean, it seems like with this new version of the Tommy John surgery, whatever you want to call it, pitchers are coming back stronger than, than before they, had the surgery. And so I don't know. I think it is a real possibility. Um, 
you know, again, it'll have to, you'll have to, you know, monitor his health. Um, he did um, have a little stint where he had to go on the IL last year. Um, um, but so, we'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see. In terms of pitchers, I, I, I don't know. It, it is interesting how few innings, you know, how much fewer innings pitchers are pitching now and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think I think somebody – there's a couple of guys who I think, you know, have the the skills to get to the 300 wins but aren't playing on teams that are going to give them those wins. Like you look at like Sandy Alcantara – who's a stud and, you know, who, who, you know, probably is going to be one of the best pitchers in the next five years, but if he's on the Marlins, how many wins is he going to get? Yeah. Um, so we'll see, you know, if you, you kind of got to look at, at players that are on teams that are going to win, you know, look at, you know, maybe some of the Dodgers pitchers, um, you know, some of their young pitchers, see what they're, you know, if they're looking like maybe they can get it or, you know, Yankees or Astros pitchers, something like that. Yeah. How about I don't think anybody's going to hit it after Verlander. Ever? No, somebody will hit it eventually, but it'll it might not be in our lifetime. Here's why: the games change. Saber metrics have changed the way we 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 look at ball games. Wins are no longer important. I mean, we're going to start coming up here where the Hall of Fame is going to have to change its statistical thresholds. 300 is almost a guaranteed uh, ticket into Cooperstown, um, but nobody's going to be hitting it. So what are you just going to say? No one else is going to be allowed to enter the Hall of Fame because after Verlander, like you stated, Justin, I mean, it's a long shot. on anyone. you're picking somebody who's just a, ro- you know, a rookie yeah. or a year, I mean, yeah. you got to go that far back. The, the dark horse that I had, if I had to choose in doing my research, it was definitely Garrett Cole. I mean, Garrett Cole has 130 wins. He's on a Yankees team, to Charlie's point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's on a team that can produce or get him enough wins or maybe give him some run support, even though they had their struggles some sometimes last year. They were still they still were able to produce um a good amount of runs throughout the season. Um he averages in his career 13 wins per season. Um if he's 31, so if he does 10 seasons, let's say and he pitches until he's 41. If he averages 13 wins per season, that's another 130. And being at 130, that would put him at 260. He would fall short by 40, and that's getting his average. But to Charlie's point, like, I just don't see him being as durable as Verlander. Mm -hmm. Verlander, I like to compare a lot to, you know, Nolan Ryan with being strong. I can see him pitching into his mid mid and late 40s, maybe, depending on where he's at. Um, I don't know if I see the same thing. I mean, he's given me no indication that he's any different. I just – it's hard to say with these pitchers, and pitchers get hurt so often you can never foresee what's going to happen. But the fact that uh, Verlander had Tommy John, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of arm issues out of him. I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he can pitch even just a little bit past his uh, 41 season, um, Dark, uh, Garrett Cole could be uh, – he Good. could be the one that hits it. But it's just weird now because if a pitcher hits a certain uh, amount of pitches – He's pulled from the game. And there's so many specialty relievers and situations that they'll pull bullpens in for. It's just gone are the days of wins. Nobody cares about wins anymore. And I think that's the problem we're going to fall into with this argument. That's why you're not seeing anyone um, even 75 wins or greater. It's just it's gone. They they just want to win. Sabermetrics is all about producing a certain amount of statistics into an algorithm that produces a win for your team which we know will get you to the playoffs due to small ball or money ball. But uh, I've never seen it work to the extent of a world championship. Cause even Boston, to your point, um, Justin earlier was spending money. You still have to spend money. You can't have to yeah. prove that you cannot win it on no, no payroll. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's my thought on it. I, I'll be glad to see. I mean, even with this, even with 3000 hits, it's my, I did a little bit more research to see like some of these other statistical thresholds that the hall of fame wants, like 3000 hits. And the closest one I can see would be Altuve. Who's going to hit 3000. Yeah, Altuve or Votto a hundred percent. Votto. Yeah. Votto was only because Votto's like, you know, he got better with age. Freeman. They just need, I think it's oh Freeman. Yeah. Freeman's yeah a good they team. need yeah. six seasons of 200 hits. Oh, Freeman's got that in a bag. <laughs> I think I think Altuve will for sure get to. Three. No, Altuve will do it 100. Uh, Votto, I think, will also get it. 
Yeah, Freeman, he'll have to, I don't know, he's a little bit younger, I think, so he'll have to. Uh, Freeman is the same age as Altuve. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Altuve, Altuve. What are they, 32? 33? I think they're both 31. I'd have to double check, but they're either 31 or 31. Yeah, Altuve is 31. Then they're, they're both 31. So, all right. Is everyone done on that subject? I think we're good. Uh, yeah. I think we're good. <laughs> We're going to go to Charlie's next on there. Charlie wants to know um, if you could expand or they're talking about expanding uh, teams even more. What would be the two places that you would pick as the places you would want MLB to put teams at? What cities would you think would be a best fit? Yeah, so I, I, they've been talking about expanding the last few years. They've, they've also talked about moving some franchises, but Probably if they were going to expand, it would go to 32 teams just to make even divisions. Um, but the so the two cities I think that would be really fun to see new teams at, I think Nashville would be an awesome place to see. Um, just if you look at kind of the atmosphere of some of their other professional sports, um, the Titans games, they always, you know, pack the house in there. And, you know, Titans games are a really fun atmosphere. And Nashville uh, Predators are one of the the best atmospheres in hockey. If you've ever watched one of their games or been to one of their games, it's a really fun atmosphere. And they have some other teams like close, like uh, their um, they have their uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and that's I mean they go crazy there, and that's always a fun you know fun time. Um, but no, I, I I think Nashville would be a really fun spot, and they don't really have a the, the closest team to them is Georgia. Um, Atlanta, Georgia, which is, you know, it's close, but it's not, you know, I feel like there's enough separation and Nashville's a big enough city where it would be fun for them to have their own team. Um, and then the other, the other one I think is if we, you know, brought baseball back to Montreal, you know, bring back the Expos, you know, people have been calling that for a while, asking for that for a while. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think that would be a pretty obvious choice, in my opinion, if we're going to expand the teams. I think that'd be one to look at. Justin? Um, I tried to – me and Charlie have been talking about this for a couple of days. <laughs> so I'm trying to go outside of his realm. Um, I still think the East Coast uh, towards the South regions, um, there, there are three states right there that I believe just need teams um, if they can do it. Um, Richmond, Virginia – uh, hometown, you know, a little bias there, but there's huge baseball following there. I mean, yeah, we've got the Norfolk Tides there, um, which is a farm system for the Orioles. Um, but I mean, huge players have come out of Virginia. I mean, you got David Wright, you know, the captain, you know, for, for the Mets for so long. Uh, I mean, even the first round pick for the Washington Nationals, the first time they drafted, they drafted Ryan Zimmerman, who's out of that area as well. You know, and he was with, I believe he, as far as I know, he's still playing. I didn't see if he retired or not, but, you know, he won a championship with them. He was, that was the only team he ever played for, you know? So um, I just think, I think that area, and I'm also a little biased to it. Uh, the, the other one is um, the Carolinas. They need, they need some sort of baseball stuff going on there. You know, um, with the Panthers, you know, they just call it the Carolina Panthers. You could do the same thing with the baseball team just called Carolina something, you know, um, that's just where I, that should, I just feel like it should be there. It should be somewhere on the East coast, in my opinion. Yeah, I know Charlotte's a big city. A lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte would be where the home stadium is where I would put it. So, but yeah. You guys are killing me. I should have went first. <laughs> it was like my go-to because of so many people flooding in and out of Nashville all the time. Yeah. Nashville's a good They're one. Gonna yeah. They're going to get attendance. And, um, I mean, Charlotte was another choice for me. Um, I just, I believe that it's such a great baseball area. Um, I believe the White Sox playing team is out there and they tend to draw pretty well out there. So I just, yeah, the Carolinas produced a lot of good talent. So I think they're just missing the boat, not having a team there. Um, and the other one that I was thinking about that was kind of out of the left field would be, um, New Orleans. Ooh, yeah. Okay. A lot of the, lot of the same fields and a lot of the same, um traffic um i just believe that that would be a good spot and an exciting spot and you have a lot of you have a lot of teams in that general area so i mean you got a lot of you know houston and a lot of time you got texas rangers um Atlanta. i feel like you're, there's a big spot above 
where there's not a lot. Cause I mean, the biggest thing when you're trying to choose where you want to put these teams is you don't want to I mean necessarily take the fans. You baseball wants to build its fan base. You want to put it into a place where there's still baseball excitement, but not necessarily a team close by. Um, right. Like I said, the closest thing is Texas. I mean, there's no Alabama team. There's no Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Oklahoma. I mean, there's nothing around that area with the exception of Texas, which has a few teams, uh, which would make for great rivalries. But I, I think that's one of the things you need to look into as baseball is trying to expand out. Yeah. So shame on you for taking everyone I want to take. I think it would be- <laughs> I really hope that eventually baseball does expand. And I also hope that with the expansion, they may be redo divisions. Yeah, they'd have to. The divisions just don't really make a whole lot of sense right now, especially like the AL West. You look at it and you've got like the two Texas teams and then they're playing teams in like California and Seattle. And it's like, why are they playing teams from two time zones away? Yeah. Um, So, you know, it would be, it would be cool if we got maybe like, you know, maybe like a Southern, you know, you know, the AL South or something like that. Yeah, that'd be sick. Like you're saying, like some of the, you know, like a Tennessee and a and a New Orleans with the Texas teams. On a side note, before we go to, I think we finish it off, but I believe it's my subject on the last one, but. It is, yeah. Um, and, I mean, we can just do a free-for-all after that anyway. But when I was a kid, on a side note, there was this game called Hardball. It was for the PC, and you could I could create characters. So, like, I'll give you an example. This was, uh, like, today, like, just, like, real time. I could create a player that's Charlie in left field. I can create Justin in center. I could be the pitcher. Um, I would put all my buddies in there as the lineup. And my team name for that team, I thought it was the coolest thing because I came up with the name. They were called the Main Lobsters. And their big thing was an M and an L on it. And I, I'll never forget that. I used them as my expansion team forever. And I thought it was, like, the greatest thing ever. And now I think about it, it sounds silly. But, like, it's great. on a side note, we'll just say Maine would be another place to put a baseball I team. I like Maine. I just, I think and it has to be a lobster. That's the only oh, choice. It has, now. it has to be. Somebody get that to happen. So I can. I need a shirt that says the main lobsters. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, my last one is um, there is three teams on Korea right now. Mets. Let's throw it out there. The Mets. From what I've heard out there, they're saying that any teams that are interested, they're saying Mets are the team right now. Mets are the team, and that's all you need to know. I want to know who the three mystery teams you think that are calling on Korea are. And then I need to know if the deal gets restructured, what does it get restructured for? Or do you believe it stays the same? I'll let you guys start on this one. So whichever one, one of you guys wants to start on this one and I will go last to close it out. And then again, we will do like anything you want to touch base on from the week that we didn't to close it up on this uh, hour long. Our first podcast. You can go ahead, Charlie, if you want. Sure. Um, so one team that I have actually heard rumors about this still talking to them is the twins. Um, the twins were after, uh, Correa, but had Dansby Swanson as a backup and then didn't get Dansby Swanson either. So now they're kind of left with a little bit of a hole in, in short. Uh, they have, they have Royce Lewis as one of their top prospects to play shortstop, but they, I know he, he had a pretty bad injury last year. I think it was an ACL tear or something like that. Um, so they're, I don't think they're a hundred percent sure whether or not he's good to go. Um, so I know that they've kind of been in potentially in talks with him. Um, other than that, I mean, I think the two, I mean, for just going to other teams, it's probably Dodgers, Yankees, um, really the only teams that are, are able to throw around that kind of money. Um, I think it would be hilarious if he landed on either one of those teams, um, just <laughs> because of how much those fan bases hate him. I know there was like some report that came out that the originally the Dodgers wanted him, but then didn't go after him because they thought the fans would wouldn't like it. So we'll I don't know. We'll see. I still think he ends up on the Mets under some sort of contract. Whether that has some like you know like injury clauses like uh, like Degrom's contract or something like that. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. Justin. Um, so yeah, I'll just talk about my three teams first um <clears throat> i threw a random one in there uh rick will like this one because they've spent no money white Sox. 
Um, <laughs> they, they, you know, I know they've got Tim Anderson over there, but they just haven't spent any money this off season. So hopefully they uh, do something here soon. Uh, the next one, uh, since they've spent so much money this off season, I think Philly is one of those mystery teams as well. You know, they, Correa's come out and said he would play third base. Um, Philly has a weak spot at third. Yeah, Alec Bohm is the next up and comer, but um, Alec Bohm also said, I hate it here uh, on the field. So we'll see. And it looks like Philly's forgiven him. I don't, or forgiven him. I don't know if the upfront office has. Um, so that's that's an option for Philly as well. Just a, just another bat and add their, to their offense and boost their defense tremendously. Um, and then the last one I have is the Yankees, of course. Uh, that means same report with the Dodgers thing. Yankees didn't really want him because they're worried about the fan base part of it. Um, but uh, they need somebody bad. They've done nothing to improve themselves. Um, all they did, yeah, cool, you signed Judge again, but for what? You're still you. That last year, in my opinion, was a fluke. You're not going to have that same year from your team. I don't think the Yankees are a playoff team. I don't think they'll get to the playoffs next year uh, because they didn't make a big move. Yeah, you signed Judge, but we all kind of knew Judge was going to come back at some point anyway. Yeah, they picked up Rodon or Rodon from. Oh, did they? I mean, even then, that's I mean, a, yeah, it's it's a, a they've got a solid rotation. But I just, I just don't see. It. I think their bats go quiet. They didn't boost their offense, and I think that's yeah. where they lose. They don't score enough runs for their it, – it's another DeGrom situation like with the Mets. I'm sorry I keep going back to DeGrom, but, like, that's what I have to compare it to. DeGrom could have easily had 300 wins if the Mets could hit for him, you know. So, I mean, there were so many games that he lost 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 Mets weren't hitting. Um, but, yeah, so I definitely think he ends up with the Mets. It's going to be – I know he said he's not interested in restructuring. But if he wants to be a Met, he's going to restructure that contract 100%. Um, there have been some pictures of that injury, of that surgically repaired leg of his. Um, I don't know how much of it's true. I don't know if that's his real thing. But if it is real, um, it looks like uh, his knees are his knees being held together just by rods, basically. And, yeah, um, right now it's maybe not an issue. But doctors are saying it's a three-year until it starts becoming an issue. Um, so I think it gets restructured maybe five years. I'm not sure about money, to be honest. Maybe I don't, I don't think he comes close to the deal that he thinks he's going to get, um, especially with that leg. And if Mets pass on him, I think a lot of teams aren't going to pay him. So he's going to have to restructure a contract. So The White Sox aren't going to sign him. Their highest, I know. <laughs> their highest uh, is Ben That's the highest that they've ever given out a contract, and I believe it's five years, $75 million. White Sox are one of your teams that they're always going to bargain shop. They're always going to get that guy that they hope has a, they, a reclamation project or they try to do it through the draft. They will make a signing like a Grandal, but they're not going to get the highest guy. They'll always right. act like they are or put it out there to appease their fan base. Hey, we're going after this guy, but realistically, they never sign him. And like you said, with Anderson, it'd be tough. I mean, you could put him there if you have Mankata, but I think they're going to stick with Mankata, hoping he has a bounce back here like he did a couple of years ago. My surprise team that no one's really talking about um, would maybe be, and maybe you get Otani to stay as the Angels. Um, I just, I, I think if you're going to try to retain Otani, which I don't know that they're going to do, and I believe if they don't come anything close to the playoffs, which I don't believe they will, he will walk. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe they try to go after Correa. You know what I mean? To try yeah. to, to generate, like to Justin's point, some some guys there that can bring in some more talent. I, I mean, I don't know why players wouldn't want to go to the Angels or what the disconnection is, why players aren't going there. You have two generational talents on that team. You're Charlie Cruz or Justin Crumpler. Wouldn't you, an upcoming star, wouldn't you want to be like, I want to play with both Otani and Trout on the same team. You know, Look at me in my face. Look at me in my face. I will never play for Mike Trout. I will have to pick up his slack the entire year oh because he's God. injured. Um, <laughs> now, Otani. Otani. Okay, I agree with okay. you. I totally Ohtani, agree Okay. Otani, I see it. Yeah. It, I'm going to say right now, whoever gets Otani, names are coming. Yeah. 100%. You know what I mean? Um, but to that point as well. Otani, that's this is going to be a topic for another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, how long does he do the the two way player thing? You know, like are you are you that 
do you have that much faith to go play with him if he chooses one or the other? You know, because he's not which, in top which ten. Does he choose? And, yeah. and which one does he choose? And he's not in top ten in any of it. So it's like, what do you do there? You know, so it, uh, it it's going to be tough. Um, I I seriously believe to Charlie's point that if he does not sign with the Mets, um, it'll be the Yankees or the <laughs> I, I bet you'd be the Yankees because the Yankees are still so. trying to fill that hole. They do have some um, some really good people in their farm system for shortstop, but I don't believe that they're ready. So they would probably make a push and they would have the financial uh, capabilities to be able to, to sign a Correa. Um, the camp, Korea's camp, I believe, said that they're, they're not budging. They want the same amount. They're not going to go any lower. Um, there was concerns with that slide while he was in, if everyone's seen it, if you haven't, check it out. It's a slide that occurred in a game um, where Correa slid when he was with the Twins, and they believe they thought it re-aggravated the injury. Uh, Correa said he was fine, but apparently, obviously, the physicals did show some concerns there, so the, both those teams were worried. I think you're going to see a lot of incentive based in that contract for health. And to Justin's point, I think you'll see this with a lot of guys um, coming up and I'll touch base on it coming up in our next part of the conversation. Once I get your guys' last thoughts, but um, a lot of the 13 year contracts, we'll get to that. In a second. Any last thoughts from you guys on this topic before we move on? Oh, good. Good, Charlie. Are the Vikings good? Are the Vikings winning? Yeah, that's what that's what we need to know. Is my man Kurt putting uh, up some no, points? They're down seven to three right now. Come on, Kurt. Come on, Kurt. That's why we're not getting his undivided attention. Yeah. <laughs> so on a, on a side note, we can just talk about anything we want for the next 10 minutes. I mean, the big thing that I was going to bring up just to tail off of our last conversation is my opinion of these 13-year contracts. It's ridiculous. I get that the whole market is dictated by what everyone else is going to give and what you're willing to pay and the need and what the market value is for these guys. But these trade turners and these Correas, I mean, you're you're talking about guys who are going to be 40 years old at the end of these contracts. And you show me one guy statistically that's gotten faster, you know, as he's gotten older. General wear and tear, injuries, you, there's just too much to worry about. I get these are investments, but then you're going to get – it's like the same thing with pitching. You're 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 getting these guys that are being babied through the farm systems and coming up. Now they can't go longer than five or six innings because their bodies aren't trained to go that long into games. When you're paying this amount of money, they're going to be coddled. And yeah. I just feel like you're not going to get enough out of them. And like I said, just at the end of these contracts, they're going to regret signing these guys for that amount of time. Uh, the yeah. Turner one? That's a, that's a hard one because yeah he may not get faster, but he may get a dip in his average. I just think he's too good of a hitter, like an average hitter, to say he will be a bust. You know what I mean? Like even if they want to use him as I don't know why you would ever because he does have power. Usually I would use a DH for power, but you know later down the road, you know Harper's probably going to retire before Turner does. You know that opens up a DH spot. You know so maybe. I don't know. I just don't think that one would be a bust. Now, I think Correa at 12 years would absolutely be a bust because then you're paying an extraordinary amount of money for, you know, 10 years for a DH. Um, but Turner, I think he's got at least a little over half of that contract he can play on the field, you know. And I, now, yes, 12 years is way too long, 100%. To Rick's point, you know, I think I think a good one for him would have been about seven about six to seven years, X amount of dollars, you know, Correa, I, I just don't, I, I've never considered Correa in the top 10, like top 10, anything, you know? Yeah. He was great with, you know, one of the, probably arguably one of the best postseason hitters of all time, hundred percent, but it's like, I've never really even thought of Correa like being that good. Like when the Mets were saying they were going for him, I was like, why, <laughs> you know, just, why we just signed like all these other people who really cares, but it's more about his bat than anything. So, well, Correa has always been his defense. Does it? Yeah, because I, mean, I haven't watched too much of him. So. Gold Glover for the last, I think like three out of the last six years or something like that. So he's, oh, he's like that's that's what's good. really kept him in the conversation. But again, like how long, especially at a like a shortstop third baseman, how long does that glove stay that good? 
you know, it's not going to, you know, by the, by the time he's 38, is he, you know, right. Is he playing in the field every day? Does he end like, up with like, like you're saying, you're buying a, you know, statistically pretty average, maybe a little bit above average hitter, um, which is probably going to decline. And then, you know, the glove's also going to decline. And, you know, at that point, you know, what do you have for all that money? Exactly. I just think he ends up looking like Josh Donaldson at five years, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the big thing with Turner is a lot does revolve around his leg. As a leadoff hitter, you do need your leg. So he has statistically been pretty good in stolen bases. I mean, he's led the league in stolen bases twice, and he averages double digits in stolen bases in a game that's not really utilizing stolen bases. Um, he's been in double digits every season besides 2015, which doesn't count because he played 27 games. So, I mean, and another thing, big draw to him is runs. He's at the top of the order. He needs to get on base. I just think if you're going to pay that guy that amount of money, I want to see really high on-base percentage. I don't Mm -hmm. care about the average. I just want you getting on base. I want to see high walks. And I want to see a guy who's going to go station to station, which this one's crazy because if you think about it, analytics right now is the biggest thing. And analytics hates base stealing. So he is like – the compolar opposite of what analytics wants. He he's a guy who's going to steal you bases, and that's that's why I'm saying like your big draw to getting him in his speed and moving base to base, first to third, stolen bases. What's it going to look like when he's 38? Because again, again, his legs are they're not going to be as fast as they are now. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, who knows? Yeah. With the training regimens and the medical stuff that keeps continually getting better. Maybe I'll be proved wrong. It's a it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I just think uh, Philly signing Turner, in my opinion, is probably the biggest signing of the offseason, in my opinion, for what it does for their team overall is incredible. Like just signing him is a huge thing for them. That's saying something coming from a Mets fan. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but let's be honest. I love me some Bryce Harper. <laughs> uh, any last words? We'll start with you, Charlie, uh, before we head out, and then we'll go to you to once he's done. Justin, just any last topic you want to bring up real quick or anything you want to say? Um, I mean, I don't really have anything super specific. I know I've got, like, we've got some topics we said where we'll bring up on some other podcasts. Um, so, not, nothing really. Okay. We will we – will, uh... Quicken this up after what Justin brings up what he he wants to, and then you can get back to your Vikings. And... <laughs> yeah, Kurt, Kurt just threw a pick six. So. Of course he did. Come on, Kurt. Hey, all that matters is this game doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, they already in. always like to beat the Packers. That's true. That's true. Um, no, I don't, I don't really have too much. Um, I still think Mets are going to Mets it all up, and Philly will – I think Philly takes World Series this year. I'm calling it now. I still think my pick is the Astros. I just it's a good it's a good pick. I mean, and then you sign Abreu. I'll tell you right now that that champion that championship last year proved the Astros have been the better team in all of baseball since they won their last one. Which on a side and a a guy (laughs) alive said the reason it wasn't the fact that the Astros cheated. This is his words. He said the fact of the matter was is they were the underdog team of that World Series, and everyone was rooting for him. And they said that's why they he was so hurt. He said in the end he rooted because he's like, here's this team that hasn't won. You know, I, I want them to do well. You know, I want them to win. Everyone was rooting for him, and then they felt betrayed when they found out. And I just want to, again, I know we keep saying a lot of stuff for future podcasts, but I want everyone to know that there is a lot of teams that cheat that you never hear about going on forever. I'm not right. I'm not saying that the steroids people are right for doing it. But I'm just saying to try to find clean anywhere is very difficult to do. There's a fine line. I will say, uh, however, I do think that like uh, after, I mean, after the scandal broke, it feels like since then, like the Astros have just kind of turned it into another year. Like, you know, no other, besides maybe the Dodgers, you could argue, no other team has really been like, you know, this successful in this period for that long. But even, I mean, the Dodgers, like I said, they've, they've got their 160, 60 season World Series, but 
besides that, they've got nothing. But, you know, you look at some of these other teams that, that got to the World Series and won, and where are they now? You know, go back, you got Kansas City Royals. Where are the Royals now? Chicago Cubs. Where are the Cubs now? Um, Boston Red Sox. Where are the Red Sox doing? They, you know, they, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. Um, and then, you you know, you've got, like, the the Nationals and, you know, Tampa Bay, like these teams that, like, you know, they, they made it to the World Series or won the World Series and then just kind of fell off the map after that versus the Astros. Year after year after year, they're always, you know, in it or, you know, right outside of it. Good stuff. Yeah. So we appreciate everyone uh, that's going to watch the podcast. Please subscribe. Help us keep uh, growing. If there's anything you'd like to see, any suggestions, we're all for it. Uh, we'll add in anything we can. Or if there's a future topic you want one of us to bring up, Charlie, Justin, in the future, Phil. Uh, when he's able to join the podcast, we're not, we will we'll go over any topic we possibly can within the time restriction. Uh, but it was nice for you joining us, and everybody have a great day. Thanks, guys.